Well, good morning. Good to see y'all this morning. If you would, if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Daniel chapter 7 this morning. We're getting back into the book of Daniel. Uh, if you're with us, we've already been chapters 1 through 6 in Daniel, but then we took a break for a little while. And so for a few weeks now, we haven't been in the book of Daniel, but we're, we're turning our attention back. If you're not familiar with the book of Daniel and its setup, and you've been with us through the first six chapters, and you've kind of gotten used to it, today's going to be a bit of an abrupt change, because the first six chapters of Daniel are narrative accounts. They're, they're historical narratives talking us through things that happened. Some are very familiar to a lot of us, even from childhood. Uh, Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego in the fiery furnace. And they've been accounts and stories, as many of us would call like that. But when we get to Daniel chapter 7, from 7 through 12, the rest of the book sounds more like the book of Revelation than it does historical narrative accounts. And so as I start reading this morning, I've not turned to the wrong book or the wrong place. I'm not reading from the book of Revelation. Why does it sound like that? Because the book of Revelation is what we call apocalyptic literature. It is a revelation that God gave to John. That's the book of Revelation. He gave this revelation to John about what was going to happen in the future. This guaranteed things that were going to happen in the future. Well, this is the same thing. Daniel 7 today, this is a dream, a vision that God gives to Daniel to give to us. These are guaranteed prophecies of things that are going to happen in the future. So there's a lot of imagery here. There are a lot of metaphors and a lot of symbolism here, so you'll just have to follow along with me as we see these things and then try and see what they understand. There are four things that I want us to see this morning. If you're a note taker, you want to write this down, you can. The first one, we're going to see some beasts in this. Uh, and so the first thing I want us to see this morning is what do these beasts symbolize? What do they stand for? Second thing, we're going to see a, another figure. There are the beast, and then there's somebody that's called the Ancient of Days. And so we're going to see what the beast symbolizes and stands for. Then we're going to see what the Ancient of Days stands for. Then we're going to see the Son of Man. So the third thing is who is the Son of Man? The last thing, fourth thing, how do we fit into this picture? So three big characters in this chapter, the beasts. The Ancient of Days, the Son of Man, we'll see them, who they are, what they're doing, how they interact. And then the last thing we'll see is how do we fit into this picture. So look with me in Daniel 7, beginning in verse 1. It says, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold... The four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. And as I looked, its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man, and the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one, like a bear. It was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth, between its teeth, and it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and behold, another, like a leopard, with four wings of a bird on its back, and the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. 
After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little horn, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots, and behold, in this horn were like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. Now, I told you, a lot of imagery, symbolism. This isn't the sort of thing that we're used to always reading in Scripture. You open your Bible and you read. Daniel here is looking, and he's looking in this vision at the sea. And as he looks in the sea, the wind is blowing from all four directions at the same time. And so that's whipped up. And then out of this foamy, frothy sea come these four beasts. Right? One that looks like a lion, but has eagle's wings. One that looks like a bear that's raised up on one side and is told to devour much flesh. One that looks like a leopard, but has four birds' wings and has four heads. And then the last one, Daniel can't even, he can't categorize it by any animal. He just says it's, it's terrifying and dreadful. It was exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. We're later told that it had claws of bronze. It had ten horns, and then an eleventh horn grew out of this thing's head. So these are the four beasts that we see. So what do these symbolize? What do we see here? What are these talking about? Well, the first thing that we see here is something that a lot of times we'd want to skip over. We want to, all right, Brother Zach, tell me technically. Let's be real technical and scholarly here. Explain the beast and, and what do they stand for. But the first thing I want you to see about these beasts is probably the thing that if we step back for just a moment is the most simple thing or the most striking thing. Imagine yourself being Daniel in this vision. Now, when I picture Daniel, I'll just be honest, when I'm reading through this, I picture Daniel, and he's got a, a pen and a notepad, and he's just sitting there, and he's, he sees these things coming out, right? That one's a lion, and it's got eagle's wings. He's just very calmly writing all this down and taking all of it in so he can tell us about it. But I don't think that's probably the way that things went down. I want you to imagine this happening. Do you have a dream one night and you're standing by the sea, and all of a sudden the sea, the sea gets huge waves and real big foam, and then out of the sea come these huge beasts that look like this. I watched a movie the other day, part of a movie, uh, that was very similar to this. Some of you may have seen it before. It's called Rampage. It has the rock in it. Um, I saw the TV edited version. Some of you are like, I can't believe Brother Zach watched that. I saw the TNT version of it. But either way... In one part of this movie, something very similar to this happens. In a, a big city come out these three great big beast-like, scary, monstrous animals, and they're attacking the city. And you know what the people in that city were doing? They were sitting around, calmly enjoying tea, writing down notes. You think that's what was happening? No, they're running like crazy and they're yelling and they're screaming and they're fearing for their life. And I imagine that that's probably what Daniel's doing here, right? Daniel is seeing this taking place and he's probably not real calmly just taking it all. The very last verse of this chapter, Daniel seven twenty eight, says, Here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me and my color changed 
but I kept the matter in my heart. Right? So the first thing that we see about these beasts is they are terrifying. Terrifying things. And I want you to keep that in mind because I think that that striking fear into the heart of anybody that saw this is part of the metaphor. It really helps us fully grasp what we see taking, what's taking place here. So we still have to ask the question, though, what do these beasts stand for? Fully, completely, what do they stand for? And, and as I read this on my own, to be honest, I read these first few verses, I don't know exactly what they stand for. Thankfully, God is very patient with us. He's very clear with us. Daniel is in the same boat as me and maybe you. He sees this, and he doesn't know what they're standing for. So later in the vision, there are some angels. And Daniel, it's almost like he walks up and taps one of them on the shoulder. I believe from what we see later in the book, it's the angel Gabriel. And he says, can you tell me what's going on here? So look with me in verse 16. We see Daniel doing that, and we hear what these beasts stand for. Daniel seven sixteen, I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. And so now we start to see the picture making a little bit more sense. Sometimes we try and interpret uh, apocalyptic literature. Literally, some of you want to read the book of Revelation and literally look for the things that you see there happening, but that's not how it always happens. Don't go around looking for a leopard with four heads and four sets of bird's wings. It's not going to happen. This is an image that is representing Four kings or four kingdoms. Now, what do we know about these kings and kingdoms? We know that they are unnatural. We know that they are terrifying, that they are scary. And we see, as we'll look at the rest of this chapter, that they will have a lot of authority and a lot of power. So point one, the world will endure the rule of evil worldly kingdoms. The world as we know it here and now, as we live in this present age, this is, going, this is happening now, this will continue. There are kings and there are kingdoms and there are armies and there are nations and there are politicians and there are presidents and there are parliaments and there are rulers that are evil, that are sinful, that are worldly. And we, we want them to be gone, but the truth that we see here is one after the other after the other after the other, these kingdoms are going to continue to come. And they're going to continue to reign on the world that we live in now. And the time period that we live in now. Now, I'm leaving out a lot of speculative things here on purpose. Some of you want to say, Brother Zach, tell me what kingdom the lion with the eagle's wings stands for. Now, I have a hypothesis about that. I have book after book after book that gives other hypotheses about that. If you want to know that, I would love to sit down and talk to you about that. Call me, send me a text, we'll get together, we'll discuss those things. They're not needed, they're not necessary. They're not, I'm not saying they're not important, I'm saying they're not necessary for us to understand the overall picture of this chapter, and you do not want to stay here until 1 o'clock today, and we would have to. To go through all that. So I'm leaving out a lot of speculative things so we can look at what we do see. So we see these beasts represent kingdoms. Kingdoms that will be scary, that will be terrifying, that will have a lot of great power here on this earth. Then we see, as we're looking at this angel explaining to Daniel what's going on, let's continue there, talking about these beasts. Look at verse 19. 
Daniel said, Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying, with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze, and which devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet, and about the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn that came up and before which three of them fell. The horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things and that seemed greater than its companions. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them. So let's see what he says about these. Verse 23. Thus he said, as for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the kingdoms. And it shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it to pieces. As for the ten horns out of this kingdom, ten kings shall arise, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones, and shall put down three kings. He shall speak words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and shall think to change the times and the law, and they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. So here we see this, that... That this, remember, these are guaranteed things. This is God revealing, not just giving some dream about things. God giving Daniel a glimpse into what's going to happen in the future. And here is the guarantee that we see here. Things are bad. Things are bad, and then things are going to get worse. That's what he shows us here, right? There is this progression in these kingdoms. You have the first three beasts that are bad. They're terrifying, they're scary. And then the fourth beast is scarier than all the rest. It's stronger than all the rest. It's more powerful and it's more terrifying than all the rest. There's another kingdom for Daniel that's coming that's worse than any of the others. And even inside of that kingdom, there are ten kings of the kingdom, and then there's the eleventh, and the eleventh is worse than the first ten. There's this progression. Things are bad and then they get worse, and in the kingdom things are bad and they get worse. And as it gets worse, it really gets worse for God's people. Because we see when this fourth kingdom that has dominion and authority over the whole earth, that's ruling everything, whenever it comes around, he says in verse 21 that he saw this one, and it made war with the saints, and it prevailed over them. That's striking to see that. Prevailed over them. We see in verse 25, this... this the worst ruler of this worst kingdom, he shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and shall think to change the times and the law and they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half time. Brothers and sisters, if you're not picking up on it, this isn't good. These things are not good. We know, I tell you what, we know this imagery, if nothing else, says that he shall wear out the saints. Now we know what it looks like for somebody to wear somebody else out, don't we? That's our kind of language. And that's exactly what it's saying here. It's the imagery of putting on a pair of clothes and wearing them until they are literally holy and beat up and there's not much left of them. It's saying that this kingdom and its ruler are going to openly attack God's people. And when they do, we always think they won't stand a chance against God's people. But no, what this says is they're going to attack God's people and he will wear out the saints of God. It says that they will prevail over the saints of God. It says that he's going to want to change 
the law and the times. And what that's describing is the, the idea of, of God's word and, and the prescribed times and laws and ways that we would worship and things that we would do and the ways that we would serve God that I understand to be that this, this king of this kingdom would want to change those things and restrict God's people from being able to worship the way they want to and do things at the times that they want to. And we think they'll never stand a chance. There's no way, it doesn't matter how strong the king is, it doesn't matter how strong the kingdom is, they'll never have a chance to restrict God's people from worshiping and praising Him and doing the things that the Bible says to us. It's not what this revelation says. At the last half of verse 25, it says, He shall think to change the times and the law, and they shall be given into His hand for time, times, and half a time. Now, y'all all know how long time, times, and half a time is, don't you? Me neither. It's not really clear. But I know this. There's going to be a period of time. There are a lot of different images and metaphors for time used in the book of Daniel. They don't all line up. There are a lot of different discussions about them. We'll look at some of them as we continue through the book. But it tells us this. There is going to be a time. Things are bad. And there's going to be a time that things are going to get worse. And that's point two. Things will be bad, and then they will get worse. We see it in Daniel. We see it in the book of Revelation. Things are bad, and then those bad things get worse. And here they're specifically getting worse at one point in time for God's people. Now, if you have just come into the book of Daniel, you're probably not liking the book of Daniel very much right now. This is not sounding very exciting for you. So this isn't what I expected to hear whenever I went to church this morning. Just talking about how bad things are and how they're going to get worse and how God's saints are going to get worn out. But the beautiful thing is, this isn't where this vision ends. If it was, I'm just going to be honest, this would not be good. This is not good news for us as God's people. But it doesn't end here. So, the beginning of it, we stopped at verse 8, right? Verses 1 through 8, we see these beasts and who these beasts are. And I've just now been trying to work through us understanding what the beasts stand for, right? They are evil kingdoms that are going to get worse, that are going to fight against God's people, that are going to speak words against God, right? Openly rebel against God. But let's go back to where we left off at verse 9. Because in verse 9, there's an abrupt change in the vision. It goes from Daniel standing there looking over the sea to Daniel seeing this vision of a royal court. And so in verse 9, we read this. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. So here we're introduced to the second figure. I told you we had the beast. We see who the beasts are. Now we see the Ancient of Days. Who is the Ancient of Days? The second thing I want to see now... He doesn't give us a name here. Daniel does not name this person. So we have to look at the things that he says about him so that we can understand who it is. So the first thing that we see about the Ancient of Days is that he is in some way royalty because he, seats, he sits on a throne. The thrones were, were placed there and he gets to sit in one of them. So we see that he is royalty. But we also see something that's different about his throne 
than most thrones that you've seen. His throne is a throne of fire, right? It says his throne was fiery flames and its wheels were burning fire. Well, it's probably interesting that it has wheels in the first place and that the wheels are made out of fire is even more interesting. What is the fire a, an image of in the Old Testament? Fire is an image of judgment. When things are thrown into the fire... When things are burned up by fire, there are things that are being judged. We see that a lot of times like the chaff are thrown into fire to be burnt up. We see it in the New Testament as well. We see vines that are useless will be gathered and put together and burned with fire. So, so this person is royalty and he is also a judge. He is one that has the ability to judge whoever he pleases. Alright, this person is also shown to be very Old. Now, I know the term ancient of days sounds like a cool name to us, but the literal translation of it is he saw somebody. He says, I saw the ancient of days. What he's saying is, I saw somebody who looked like he's lived for a lot of days. Daniel's saying that this person looked like he was older. He has lived for a long period of time. So this person that's lived for a long time, maybe forever, that is royalty, that has Fire and judgment is also shown to be exceedingly wise. It says that his head was like pure wool. And that white hair is a sign of wisdom. This person is shown to be exceedingly righteous. It says his clothing was white as snow. And that's an image we see throughout the Bible, right? Robes or clothes that are white as snow is this idea of being pure and righteous and sinless. So we see somebody that's royal, that is a judge, that has been around for a long period of time, that is exceedingly wise, that is exceedingly righteous, who is also exceedingly worthy of being praised and worshipped. Because we're told that standing before him that there were a thousand thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand that stood before him whenever he sat on his throne to give judgment. So, who do we know that has lived for a long time or forever, that is exceedingly wise, that is exceedingly righteous and perfect, that is a perfect and exceedingly great judge, who is worthy of praise and who is worthy of worship? And we see here that this is a picture of God. Later in the chapter, he's going to be referred to as the Most High. We already read that in verse 25, the saints of the Most High. And that term has been used throughout the book of Daniel to describe God the Father, to describe Yahweh the Most High. So we see here, we have the beast, and now standing in contrast to the beast, we see God the Father, or the Ancient of Days. Verse 13, we're introduced to the last person in the vision. If you're following along, we've seen the beast, we've seen the Ancient of Days in verse 13. Daniel said, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Now this is an anomaly Especially for people living in Daniel's day and time, people living in the Old Testament. This would be an anomaly because this person is described as being like a son of man. Now, for those of us that have studied much of the New Testament, son of man is a term that we equate with Jesus. 
But in its original meaning, it simply meant this, somebody that looked like a human. Right? If I say, well, you look like the son of man, or you look like the daughter of a man, that means you look like a person. And that's literally what Daniel's saying here. That's why the term is not capitalized. Daniel says, I saw somebody that looked like a human. Now, why is that an anomaly? Because this person that looked like a human was riding on the clouds. And that's not something that people do very often. That is an image that's used throughout the Old Testament to describe God himself. It's used in the book of Revelation to describe God himself. Brother Dusty read that for us earlier. So we see somebody that looks like a man, but acts like a God. An anomaly for people in the Old Testament. Not only did he ride on the clouds or come with the clouds of heaven, but it says that he was presented to the Ancient of Days. He was presented to God, and God gave him dominion and glory and an everlasting kingdom, and that he would be served by all peoples, nations, and languages forever and ever. So we see somebody that looks like a man but has all the attributes of God. For them, this would have been very difficult to decipher who the Son of Man is. And even though I think we're starting to see who this God-man is, we'll wait just a moment before I tell you exactly who it is. I'll let him tell you exactly who it is. But I want you to see this. Things have been getting bad. Now we're introduced to all the people, so let me show you the story. There are the beasts that are these kings that are attacking God and God's people and wanting to rule the world. There's the Ancient of Days who's sitting on his throne ready to judge. And there's the Son of Man who's going to be given all dominion. What happens? There's a battle. There's a battle between God and these beasts against the ruler of everything and against these people that want to rule everything. So look with me in verse 11 and we see how it plays out. Daniel said, I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking, right? That king of the last kingdom. And as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Also look over to verse 25. We'll let the angel describe it to us as well. He's speaking again about this last ruler, this worst ruler of this worst kingdom, verse 25. He shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and shall think to change the times and the law and they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. But the court shall sit in judgment and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey Him. Point three, the beasts will only rule for a time, but the Son of Man will rule forever. And that's the beautiful thing here, right? If all we have is the beast and what they're doing, things look bad, but it says that that's going to happen for a time and times and half a time, for a set Time period. God has decided that he would allow the rule of evil kings and evil kingdoms for this long. Whatever that time period is, it's set and decided. And when that time is up, their time is up. Because God's coming and he's coming with judgment. And he is going to put everyone in their place. And that means that Christ and all of those with Christ 
are going to be exalted to be glorious, gloriously living in this great everlasting kingdom forever and ever. And all of those that are opposed to him will be punished. We see the war here, and that doesn't sound like much of a war, does it? You've got all these beasts, and they're big and strong and scary, and we would have no hope against them. And it says the Ancient of Days comes up, and he kills the beast. And that's it. He kills it and gives its body to be burned with fire, and it's over just like that. It's not a great battle scene because there's no one that can stand against God. There's no one that has a chance against God. So we see here that the authority of people on this earth only goes as far as God allows it to. Only lasts as long as God allows it to last. He's already shown us that with Nebuchadnezzar and with Belshazzar. Time and time again, we've seen these kings and we've seen them being humbled by God and God being exalted. We see here that that's not something that just happened in the Old Testament or only for a time. That's what's going to happen forever. So, really quickly, who is this God-man that we see pictured in verses 13 and 14. Who is the Son of Man who looks like a human but has all the attributes of God? You don't have to turn here, but write down Matthew 26, 64. I want to read it to you. This is Jesus. He's been arrested. He's on trial. And the high priest is questioning him. Verses 63 and 64 of Matthew 26 say this. But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, you have said so, but I tell you from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus was talking to a man that would have known all of the Old Testament. And this is the reference that Jesus makes to him. I am the Son of Man that will be seated by the Ancient of Days that you will see coming back riding on the clouds. The one that Daniel prophesied would come and would be given the kingdom and would rule forever and ever and that no one can stand against and that no evil kings or kingdoms have a chance against, that's me. That's what Jesus said to the high priest. I'm the Son of Man. I'm the one that's coming riding on the clouds. And I get excited when I read that. Brothers and sisters, that's good news. Who's the Son of Man? My Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the one that's going to rule forever and ever. In the Old Testament, it was an anomaly. Somebody that looked like a man but ruled like a God. But today, it's not an anomaly. It's something that's been revealed to us. It's a mystery that we understand completely. Who is both God and man? Jesus. Jesus is God, and He also came as a man. It's a beautiful picture. And we see the same thing in Revelation. Brother Dusty read it earlier. But in verse 5, it's talking about Jesus. And it says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. He is the one who's coming riding on the clouds, the one that has freed us from our sins by his blood. Who has done that? Nobody but Jesus has done that. Point four, the last point. Jesus is the Son of Man that will come riding on the clouds to rule forever. Jesus, Jesus is the Son of Man. He's going to be riding on the clouds. He's going to rule forever. So, 
the very last thing, how do we fit into this? How does this, this big story, how do we fit into it? Well, we see it in Revelation as well. It says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. You see, the truth is Jesus, by his blood, when he left heaven and lived a perfect life and then died an atoning death, when he died in our place, when he shed his blood in our place, he did free us from our sins. Offer us, let me say, he offered us freedom from our sins, but he also offered us the opportunity to be part of God's everlasting kingdom. And if you have responded in faith, to Jesus Christ, you have given your life over to Jesus Christ, then you are free from your sins and you are also part of God's kingdom. The everlasting kingdom that we see in Daniel chapter 7. You see, all of us are part of one of these kingdoms. You are either part of the kingdom that's going to last forever and be ruled by Jesus or you're part of one of the other kingdoms. You're working against God you're working to build your own name, not to lift up His name. You're working to praise yourself, not to praise Him. And I'm not saying that you are literally one of these horns or that you're one of these beasts, but I'm telling you this, that your end will be the same as them. That you will one day be judged and that your judgment will be eternal. That you will be judged forever and ever for having rejected Jesus Christ, for not having faith in Jesus Christ. So you are either part of the kingdoms that will be judged, or you're part of the kingdom that will rule forever and ever. How do you get to be part of that kingdom? By having faith in Jesus Christ. He died, and in his death, he made that available to us. If you have accepted him in faith, then brothers and sisters, this is a glorious story. There's a lot to look forward to. There's the beauty of heaven and eternity and all these glorious things. But if you have it, then you see what's going to happen if you leave this life without having placed your faith in Him. So I'd ask you this morning, have you done that? Do you know for sure that you're part of the everlasting kingdom that will last forever and that will be glorious and beautiful where there will be no evil and no sin ever again? Or do you need to become part of it? If you have questions about that, we're not going to have an invitation in the normal sense, but I want you to know that Jesus has already invited you by dying on the cross, that if you would respond in faith to Him today, that you can be saved. If you have questions about what does that mean to respond in faith, how do I do that, stick around after the service. I'll put on my mask and I'd love to talk to you about it. You can call me anytime, you can send me a message, however you feel comfortable. But if you have questions about that, I'd love to talk to you about them. But if y'all don't mind, I'd love for us to end we're just praying and telling the Lord, thank you for the beauty of these promises that we've seen this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Daniel chapter 7. Lord, what a roller coaster ride of seeing how things will be bad. And Lord, that is comforting to us because many of us feel like things are bad now. Lord, that there are restrictions and there are open attacks against God's people. They're more prevalent in some areas than in others, but Lord, we've all felt them and we've all seen them in some ways. Father, I, I pray that we that are your children through faith in Jesus, that we would be comforted by this reminder that even though things are bad and things will get worse, that that will only be temporary. But the glory, 
that's going to be revealed when you come back riding on the clouds and everyone sees you will be eternal. Lord, that we'll be comforted with you forever and ever, that we will reign with you forever and ever, and that we'll never have to worry about that ending, that there's no one that can stand against you and there's no one that can challenge you in any way, Father. Lord, thank you for these beautiful truths, for this reminder. Lord, I pray that we would keep our mind in the toughest days on that sweet by and by, on those days to come when we'll be with you and any worry, concern, stress, or anxiety will be a distant memory from our thoughts. Lord, thank you for shedding your blood to make these things available to those of us who were rebelling against you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all so much for coming this morning. Uh, just a reminder, we do still have a Wednesday evening prayer meeting at 6 o'clock. Uh, we don't have individual classes for children. Our youth are meeting over in the fellowship hall. Uh, but we are meeting every Wednesday night. We're here in the sanctuary. And so there's plenty of room to spread out. would love for you to come and join us at 6 o'clock on Wednesday nights. Uh, if you have any questions, come and see me. I'll stick around after the service. But if not, thank you all for coming. I pray you all have a wonderful week.